Good morning. We're glad to have you join us for this week's broadcast. We pray that today's message will be a blessing to you. We're in the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning in verse 17. The Bible says, And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. If you go to verse 21, the Bible tells us, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The first thing we see is the chaos. And we see King Ahab calling Elijah a troublemaker as he comes back in verse number 17. The world often blames Christians for the problems caused by their sin. The world called Jesus a troublemaker in Luke 23. The world called Paul and Silas a troublemaker in Acts 16 and 17. And if you stand for God, if you stand for righteousness, you'll often be called a troublemaker. If you tell the truth just as Elijah had, you'll often be called a troublemaker. If you pray for people to get right, for people to come back to the true and living God and quit serving a little G God, a pagan God such as Baal, you'll often be called a troublemaker. But he said, as Elijah said, how long halt ye between two opinions? When are you going to choose which God you're going to serve? Our God is a jealous God and he doesn't want us to serve other fake gods and false gods. A lot of people believe that they have to be more than one God, that one God can't do everything, but we do serve the living and true God. And Elijah knew the God that created the universe, the God that created the weather, the God that created the rain, the God that created man. Elijah knew that God, and that's why he comes and he calls a competition between the gods. In verse 25, the Bible says, And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose ye one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under it. And they took the bullock which is given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning, evening, until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which is made. And it come to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them, and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or preadventure he sleepeth, and must be awaked. And they cried aloud, and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancet, till blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was passed, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice, nor any the answer, nor any that regardeth. Here we see the lone prophet against the lost God. And as he comes in, Elijah by himself against the 450 prophets of Baal, imagine the scene as they jump around and they dance around. Surely they had tried before, but they were stubborn enough. Even whenever Elijah caught them out, they were stubborn enough to try one more time. But Elijah wasn't deterred because he knew he served the living And true God, Martin Luther said, one with God is a majority. Remember today, as the world runs, as the world runs for the broad way that leadeth to destruction, remember that we're serving the living and true God. He called 
the prophets of Baal to a competition, and he gave them a fair shot, as they were to call on their God to send fire down from heaven. Baal was the weather god. Many drawings have been found showing him holding a lightning bolt. In one hand, it was believed that Baal could shoot lightning flashes from the sky. We know if you're familiar with the story that Elijah soaks his offering with water, but he doesn't do that. He gives him the first opportunity. He gives him the first change. I have to look at this and wonder why before the rain, after three and a half years, why before the rain we'd be calling fire from heaven? But it's because the people of God, the nation of Israel had not yet repented. They had not turned to God. And here we have God is gracious enough to show them, to remind them just who he is. He's gracious enough in this competition. If you look on and see as Elijah prayed, he said, I have done all these things at thy word in verse number 36. He didn't do this because he thought it'd be a good ideal. He didn't do this because somebody else thought it'd be a good ideal. He did this because God told him to do this, to start this competition, to start this rivalry, if you will, with the Baal, the little G God, to show who the true God was. But before God could do anything there was a few things that had to happen we have to see the construction and verse number 31st we're going to see they had to rebuild the altar and elijah said unto all the people come near unto me and all the people came near unto him and he repaired the altar of the lord that was broken down the altar represents the consecration that is the action of declaring or making something sacred in second chronicles seven fourteen, the bible says if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land before we're going to see fire from heaven first off the church is going to have to get back in the altar the church is going to get back into seeing some things be sacred, some things be holy. When we go to church on Sunday morning, we should go with the right spirit in our heart. We shouldn't go with sin in our life any more than we'd walk in with mud on our boots and dirty up the pretty carpet. We need to make sure our hearts is clean before God and we come in ready to worship. We've got to rebuild the altar. We've got to forget about just having a stage, but we've got to have a place where people come and they pray and they get things right in their life. Don't come into church with something wrong in your life. Don't come into church putting it flash, just hoping and hurry, hoping the preacher will hurry up so you can get out of church and get to be first in the line at the restaurant, but come into church realizing it is holy. Come into church realizing it is a special place of worship and this is special time given to a holy God. And we need to make sure we're righteous. We need to make sure we're doing the best we can to live a righteous, holy life before God. Not just on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all through the week. If we want to see fire come from heaven, we've got to rebuild the altar. But we've also got to remember the people. In verse number 31, Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall 
be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great would contain two measures of seed. We've got to remember the people. In First Peter, as everyone hath received the gift, even so minister, minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Elijah remembered all the nation of Israel, the twelve tribes, and we as a church, we've got to remember the people outside our walls, the people outside our community. Somehow the church has got to quit sitting on the pews and just enjoying their eternal security, enjoying the fact that they know they're safe. Somehow we've got to get ourselves out into the community. We've got to get ourselves out ministering to the people, building relationships with the people and receiving the people to Christ, giving people the gospel, showing them, showing them what Christ will do for them, the love of Christ that we can witness to them and we can win souls to the Lord. We've got to remember the people. We've got to retain the order in verse number 33. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid on him the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Before he brought the water in, he got everything in order. We need to get things in order in our life. We need to get God to the place where he belongs as Lord of our life. If you're married, your wife should come second, then your children. But we've got to remember that God comes first. God comes first on Sunday morning when it's time to come to church. I'm not trying to get into a place of legalism where if you're sick and you can't make it to church, that you feel guilty that you go and you share your germs with everybody. I'm not trying to get into a place of legalism where you can't go on vacation on a Sunday because you have to be at church. But we need to remember we need to remember that church is important. We need to remember that God is important. Our prayer time is important. Our Bible is important. Our time alone with God is important. And we need to get God back into a place of importance, a place of prominence in our life. We need to get the correct order in our homes and our churches where God comes first. God comes first. He had to first retain the order, 1 Corinthians 14, 40 says, let all things be done decently and in order. Whenever he did this, whenever he got the construction right and got the altar back and got everything ready, what did he do? He began to pray in verse number 36. This was after he soaked the altar with water. In verse number 33, it said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. In verse 34, he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. They did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. He didn't tell the prophets about to do this, but he wanted to make sure there was no doubt. There was no magic. There was no trickery. But this was God in heaven, sending fire. And in verse 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water 
that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God, and the Lord, He is the God. He God showed up in a mighty way, and His fire fell, and it cleaned out the altar. It burnt the stones. It burnt everything in there. There wasn't anything left but ashes. God showed His power, and the people repented. They turned back to Him. We see in verse number 43, Elijah went then, and he prayed, and he said, to his servant, go now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. He said, go again seven times. And he came to pass it the seventh time that he said, behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, go up, saying to Ahab, prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. And he came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and girded up his loins, and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. The hand of the Lord was on him so that he ran, that he was able to get back there before the king Ahab did, even though he started first. We've got a lesson here that we can learn, church. We've got to repent. We've got to get back to God. We've got to get back to trust in Him, but we've got to be in continual prayer. He didn't give up after he seen nothing happen at first. James 5.16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There's a saying, there's a saying push, pray until something happens. Church, I challenge you this morning, just as Elijah prayed, he didn't give up when the rain didn't come immediately. He prayed He prayed, he prayed until something happens. Church, let's pray until something happens, until God fixes this mess or he comes and he takes us out of here. I'd certainly be praying until something happens. Amen. We pray this message has been a blessing to you. God bless.